0: Hi, welcome to Divine Falling Podcast. This is a podcast produced by the Divine Club. I would like to say thank you to all our members that are making this possible. Today I have with me Arcy Gray. She's an amazing woman with a really inspiring story that I uh, invited her to come here and share with us her story, her journey, and all the good things and just things she's learning her journey as well. Now I will give her a space to tell more about her story, and then we can keep our conversation. And you guys can also leave on um, the comments below questions for her or for me. We will be pleased to answer as well.
1: Hi, Arcee. Hi. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I am, too.
0: I am, too. I, I love your vibe, and this is something that it's, you know, when you can feel the energy of other persons, really nice.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm excited. And I'm, I, we talked, I know a couple of weeks ago and everything like that. And I feel like there was just so much alignment in what you do and your audience. And I'm really, really grateful that you reached out to me because, um, I think this is a really important topic to talk about. And I also think that like, you know, you have such a different perspective than so many survivors on it. So I love that this conversation gets to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I love it, too, because you also have a really different perspective. You are you are a really strong woman, and the way that you talk about it, it's really inspiring. And honestly, when I saw your content and all the way that you explore uh, everything that you have been through, and you really show yourself so vulnerable, and this really inspired me to do the same, I am building this community for a long time, but... After seeing you and your content, really helps me to open up and be even more vulnerable with them, telling them my story in more a detail uh, based, you know, type of thing. So, you are really transforming lives and helping people to achieve better places in their lives. And this is why I invited you because you are such a, a strong force and it's meant to be shared to more people for sure.
1: Thank you so much for saying that um it is a very vulnerable thing to put yourself out there and put you know tell your story um and and remain in a place of like you said that that power tell it from a place of power and strength and um it it took me some time it wasn't an immediate thing i definitely had to build up to it um but i am very grateful to hear that um that it isn't falling on deaf ears and that people are welcoming it and being inspired by it. And I'm, like I said, I'm excited to be part of a community that does welcome that because I think for a lot of um, survivors, there is a lot of sort of social stigma and shame around things. So it's a this is a really important thing to talk about. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the more awareness we create about how uh, trauma is kind of normal. I mean, a lot of people experience in their lives, and also that people don't need to stay stuck in their trauma. They can't experience good things in life. They can't enjoy life, have fun, find new friends. rebuild build their lives. This is yes. so important for our society. Uh, you also work with people, right? And we mm-hmm. uh, talk with people with so much energy and so much passion and so much things to give to the world. And sometimes they keep stuck because of those fears, of those traumas that they didn't have time and they have the right tools to work through. And it's it's amazing to be a source, to be a, a messenger to those information so more, more people can also heal themselves.
1: Yes, definitely, so true. And that's, you know, it's interesting when you had said that like, you know, you looked at some of my content and it inspired you, I have to say that is 100% my goal um, yes, I am an entrepreneur. I'm a, you know, I'm a business owner and I do, my business does surround, you know, helping other survivors and, and things like that. And um, oftentimes in the entrepreneur world, there is this, Hey, what is your financial goal? There's all this focus on money and, you know, how much are you trying to make? And that's sort of the metric that they measure by. And I always felt Um, like there was this big disconnect for me between that, because I wasn't in this business to make money. I'm in this business to help people. And I do believe that if you add value to the world, you'll be paid your worth. So I've made this shift for myself um, last year. And I said, you know what, I'm no longer looking at financial goals. And my goal was to impact 10,000 women in a year. And so I just shifted to my focus to who can I help Um, How can I help them? How can I help more of them? How can I teach other people so that they can help people so that this impact, this can have a bigger impact and have like a ripple effect impact. So um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of where we have so much alignment is in the value that we're giving. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I really uh, see that when we are like evolving as humans, we all have this first like financial goal to achieve. Like, oh yeah, I need to have a house, I need to have a car, I need to experience some type of things. But at some point you realize that life is much more about people connections and you feeling useful to the world. You serving people with who you are. That really about buying things and all the, uh, of course, I love money. I love money. I love experience. I love travel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's me just, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we love money. It's just that it's not only about that, and I completely right. agree with you. I went through this whole like transformation about the shift about like being all about money to like wait, it's about people. In two thousand nineteen as well was when I quit my job at the bank and I was dealing with big numbers with my clients. And I saw people so, so unhappy doing that. And at the same time, I was like buying uh, brand clothes and everything and I didn't feel anything really changed inside of me.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. when
0: my spiritual awakening really happened and I realized, okay, uh, for me to experience happiness and to feel fulfilled in my life, I will need to really go into this journey internally so I can uh, really find what, we are supposed to do here in this world and since then I mean it's a, it's a wild uh, journey but I'm happy to experience you know and this yeah. is really important for us.
1: It is so you know it's funny um our initial conversation kind of we didn't really talk about money and entrepreneurship so much but there's so much overlap in survivors and money and um and our happiness and all of these things there's you know it it affects all of our every aspect of our lives. And there is this really um, kind of mental shift that I've made, um, again, a couple of years ago, in healing my trauma. um, I sort of learned how the brain works, how the mind works, right, and trying to understand how trauma affects me in all these different ways. And one of the sort of realizations I had along the way was, um, I say, happy first, then rich, because we chase Um, I I think everyone does it. I think this is sort of um, a universal human trait. I don't think that it's specific to survivors necessarily, but I do think that survivors feel this extra sense of insecurity, right? Where we don't feel safe in our own brains and our own minds and our own bodies in our environments. We don't feel safe. So oftentimes I think there's this confusion between a need for safety and a need for security. And I do believe that um, we chase money and external things as a sense of security when in fact, all of those things come from you first they come from inside you and once you have that sense of internal sense of security um you can build that safety in your brain right like we like that's one of the things i hope we get to talk about today actually too um is the brain and how the brain and the body create that sense of safety and then comes that sense of security and then after that sense of security becomes growth and all the things you want so if you're chasing the new car and the new um you know, like new house and the more money and the better job and all of this stuff. uh, It's, it became very evident to me a couple of years ago that me chasing all of those things outside of myself was actually preventing me from healing. And when I turned my attention back into myself and what my brain and body needed and what my heart and soul needed, then the rest of those things just come naturally. It's, it's so, it's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of magical, right? <laughs>
0: so, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's great that you talk about that because from the perspective of manifestation, it's all about you feeling inside of you before you experience the 3D reality. So it's completely like a line. Uh, it's, I say that the world is all the same. We just have different perspectives of it. And this is exactly one uh, example of it. So manifestation yeah. is also about yeah, let me first experience the feeling of being loved, of feeling safe, and all those things. And then you start to see around you safety, people, love, money, and all of the other things showing up. And mm-hmm. yeah, of course, please. She is amazing because she also knows a lot about neuroscience. And I love science. I am an engineer. She's a physicist. So uh,
1: is physics a physician? Uh, physics and then architecture. So um, Perfect. yeah <laughs> Perfect.
0: and please share with us how to like because when we are in this journey of okay so if I need to feel safe first how can I make this happen how can I feel safe how yes. can I feel love in my brain so I can experience this in reality as well please
1: Yes. So that's exactly it. So everything that I do with my clients is that. So people come to me with their big goals. Like we, you know, we talked about like, Hey, you know, they, they want to make more money. They want to start a business. They want a better job. They want to grow in some way. And it's usually um, their, their perspective on it is that they're looking for something outside of themselves. They want something on the outside. So all of my work with them is we go backwards and we start at the very core, the very inside of um, what's going on and why trauma is occurring and how that, and, and, you know, when we, we look at that first and I'll get into that in a little bit, but um, then the next phase we look at is like, okay, first of all, we have to turn down the stress response from the trauma. Then we can work on all of those internal things. The um the mind and the heart and the soul, right? Like all of those things, our values and our feelings. And then once all of that is aligned, then we can move forward and achieve our goals. So um my background in architecture, I actually was really lucky uh when I went to architecture school that I got to work with um what's called the Sulk Institute. It's in La Jolla. It is a neuroscience research facility and which is you would never guess that architecture and neuroscience would ever cross paths. Um However, I got to be part of a pilot program called Neuroscience for Architects. And this is where I got my first sort of exposure to the brain and understanding how it works and how our environments affect our brain and our body. So years later, when I experienced a pretty epic trauma, um, I had sort of this knowledge of the fact that the environment that we're in and our experiences have a massive impact on our brain. So that gave me the foundation to heal very quickly because i understood how it worked and the easiest way that i can explain it especially to anyone who doesn't have a science background doesn't understand the brain right like isn't if this isn't your forte it's there's a really really simple way to understand it and essentially our brain is broken up into three components we have the survival brain so that's the primitive brain that's the one that keeps us alive that makes sure that our heart is beating and our and we're breathing and It can sense, you know, danger around us. We have our emotional brain, and this is pretty obvious, right? It's where we have our feelings, um, where we experience, um, you know, emotions, and then we have our thinking brain, and that's up here in the front, and that's where we have our thoughts, and that's where we strategize things, and where we can think about the future, and we can do our goal setting and all those things. Now, the brain, because it has these three parts, it also prioritizes them. And the brain follows three rules. So essentially the brain has those three jobs, right? We have to, it has to keep us alive. It has to make us happy and it has to help us grow. So those three rules, it has to follow them in that order. Rule number one to your brain is no dying. And that just means it's going to prioritize your safety over anything else. Rule number two, I say is no crying. And that means that after you feel safe, then your brain will worry about whether you are happy or not. Your brain will then address your emotions. And after you feel safe and you're happy, then it can chase your goals. Then it can achieve things. And most often, the biggest mistake I think people make, especially when recovering from trauma, is they're looking at their emotional brain and what they're experiencing their thoughts, their emotions, right? We call it mental health, but it's kind of a misnomer because it's not in the mind. It's actually in the brain and the body. So people are chasing either their mental health or they're chasing their goals and they want something bigger and better. But when we first look at what the survival brain is doing and we address the trauma that's actually occurring, that alarm that the survival brain is setting off, when we address that first, we're able to calm that down. And you you find that when we focus there, the mental health symptoms the 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 catastrophizing thoughts the anxiety the depression the the whole gamut of emotions that we experience um you know as a result of this alarm going off in our brain saying hey we're not safe we're not safe we're not safe those go away naturally and once we can turn the volume down on those then all of a sudden achieving our goals is i mean it's manifesting it literally feels like you go to sleep one night with an idea in your mind and the next day it just sort of magically appears in front of you and you know sometimes it takes a little while because we have to work through things like those limiting beliefs and all of that um but once people understand that and it's specifically when i work with my clients once we shift we stop talking about their mental health we don't talk about their thoughts and their feelings we start talking about what's going on in the brain and the mind, excuse me, the brain and the body, all of that stuff shifts so quickly. So um, I'm sure you have a bunch of questions. I'm trying to make sure that I can ease your audience into this because this is a very deep subject. Um, It's called applied neuroscience. And uh, so essentially what it is, is that the idea behind it is that Our brain is connected to our body through the nervous system. And about 20% of the information that goes between our brain and our body comes from our brain to our body. But about 80% of it actually goes from our body up to our brain. So your nervous system runs throughout your entire body. And there's different components of your nervous system in different places that send different signals to your brain. When we work to release trauma and things like that, and when we experience trauma, like anxiety, sometimes people shake with anxiety. Sometimes you can't catch your breath, right? Sometimes your heart races. There's physiological symptoms. When we work to turn those, um, they're they're like switches. When we turn those switches off in the body, it tells the survival part of our brain, hey, you're safe you're good, we're in control. And then we can move forward and start working on, like I said, all of those emotional components and things like that. So I hope that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I also see the whole like neuroscience, uh, understanding the brain and also the body, something really important for the spiritual community. Because as a spiritual people, sometimes people forget that the body is also part of your experience on earth. And the body needs attention. needs to You need to understand how to co regulate your body, how to treat your body, how you can um, really allow yourself to experience your whole experience here on Earth, and not only the whole woo woo thing. And this is why right? I mean, when I found you, I was like, yeah, that's the girl. I need her there because she will bring this more rational and also attention to the body of uh, vibe that I really believe people need to create more awareness about it uh, I would love if you talk a little bit about what trauma is because some people believe that trauma are some specific things and other people believe that trauma is just something
1: really bad
0: and we need to create awareness about what trauma is and how to get rid of it
1: yes so um you may have heard this term before um, or your listeners may have heard it. I know you have as well. There's a concept of big T trauma and little T trauma. And big T trauma are things that we characterize as large events that are um, extraordinary, right? These these big like unheard of events, things that only happen in the movies kind of thing, right? These really big, scary events. And then there's little T trauma, which can be um, small Sometimes even like a microaggression from someone else could traumatize us. Um, it could be little things that other people would be like, "Oh, that's no big deal," but to you, it's stuck. It's stuck with you somehow, right? So, um, no matter whether it's a big T or a little T trauma, trauma is defined as anything that our anything that we experience that our brain and our body and our mind doesn't have the resources for or doesn't have the resources to handle at the time so it's a lasting experience trauma is not the event it's a lasting experience it's the experience you have after the event and whether that's um you know if we were missing uh, social support. If that was a resource that we were missing, we can be traumatized because we didn't have that sense of safety and security that we needed. It could be physical trauma. You could physically experience something like a car accident or being injured severely and your body didn't have the resources to um, protect you from that or you know maintain that. And you could have um, lasting effects from that. That's considered trauma. Um, and then there's also this idea um, that trauma is not necessarily one specific event that happens, but yet a series of events. So if you were Let's say you were left at the grocery store by accident by your parents. You know your mom had several children, and and you were the you were the one left behind. You got forgotten, and that experience might have been traumatizing in the moment because you were left alone and all of that. But you could easily recover from that when your mom comes back to get you and tells you she loves you, and and you reunite and everything's great. Now, if you have several experiences of neglect, um, abuse. Uh, or just even heightened stress, high anxiety environments, even if no, no one was doing anything to you, if you watched close family members um, arguing all the time, or you felt like there was an insecurity, if you observed it, that's something known as complex uh, traumatic stress. And complex post-traumatic stress is, is, the, is the term for it. But complex trauma is sometimes small, sometimes big, but repeated events that never get resolved. So- yeah, there's traumas all over the map.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I really think it's interesting how you say that it's a pattern, right? When you are exposed to trauma, like daily in your life, parents yelling, uh, sometimes some financial situation, all those things, your body keeps this stuck. And until you uh, really let this go, it's not possible for you to experience something new because the body is meant to heal them. Like our body is smart. Once you yeah. heal and then it keeps trying to experience the same thing again and again until it is screaming like please stop and pay attention
1: to me yes I call this so um I talked about a little bit before it's like there's an alarm going off in your body when you're experiencing the same things over and over whether it's you know anxiety or you're bringing the same people same type of people into your life and you're experiencing it over and over um, I talk about it as, um, like, you know, when you're, when you're in a crisis cycle, when you keep experiencing the same thing over and over and nothing changes, and whether that's something that happened when you were a child and it keeps coming back into your life or it's happening in adulthood and something keeps coming back into your life. That is, and your, the, the physiological responses you have to that are, um, are it's your brain telling you, Hey, something's unresolved we don't have the resources we need right now to solve this we need more information so it's going to keep bringing it back up until it gets all the information it needs to be able to close close the book on that and put it on the shelf so um (laughs) there's a um there's a i i I am a hypnotherapist also and there's a hypnosis that I do with many of my clients where I bring them into a library and any of the books that aren't put away on the shelf is an indication of unresolved issues and trauma. So we we once we're able to identify them we can actually work in the brain and the body because we hold things in our body. Our trauma is stored in our body, it's in our nervous system. So once we can find out where it is in the body, we can actually do literally physical exercises, certain exercises, certain movements um, that integrate different components of the brain, something like bilateral stimulation, for example. So I don't know how many of your listeners might be viewers and maybe watching this as well, but um, tapping yourself on both sides of your body um, like that is bilateral stimulation, moving your eyes back and forth bilateral stimulation. And it starts to activate different parts of your brain and gets them to communicate together. So that means that your survival brain that is going off, it's an alarm, it's in panic, can communicate with your emotional brain better you the the connections can talk to each other in a way um, to start filling everybody in so that book that doesn't have all the information on it your emotional brain can write a few pages and your survival brain can write a few pages and your thinking brain can write a few pages and then once that's a complete book it can get closed and put on the shelf and that's how we can put our trauma behind us so it's a complicated process and i know i'm kind of throwing a lot of sort of random things at you here about it um but it is it it is um, it's it's very simple in in a basic understanding, but then when we get into the nuances of the different traumas and things, that's where it kind of can get complicated.
0: You are so smart. you are explaining with a lot of clarity. I can understand you so well. I I'm sure my audience are always um, keeping up with the subject here as well. And again, if you guys have any questions, please, comment down below we are going to be pleased to answer you as well and this exercises that you you talk to it's really common also here in the country we teach people to co-regulate their system with uh the like simulation here yeah, yeah. it's a the butterfly because we have like this whole brand with the butterfly so you're always like doing the butterfly thing do this and yeah. it's really good uh to co-regulate and one thing that also helped me a lot i always do use this with your clients is ho'oponopono that is like i'm sorry please uh, i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you and you're repeating this like for all uh for a really long time i like to listen on music as well and i remember the first time that i uh, used those two i felt my whole body like like, goes, yeah. goes, I was feeling so much things in my body and was really releasing, uh, you know, resentment that we create towards people from our past because
1: of those situations. And it, it was amazing. I was experiencing like every time that I would get a new idea, a new business idea or, or a new job, even like, you know, trying to just grow my career. Um, I was so focused on growth and I was so focused on, you know, just, I, that chasing that sense of security outside of myself. Like, oh, if I could just get this job, if I could just make this much money, if I could start this business and make this much money, then I will feel safe. Then I will feel secure. Then I will be happy. And, um, you know, I kept experiencing that over and over and over. And then, uh, two days before my 37th birthday, um, that cycle repeated itself, uh, one last time. And, um, I was kidnapped, um, And for four days, I was held captive. I was tortured. I was beaten. I was raped multiple times. And um, I escaped as um, a knife pierced my throat. So um, the term I use for it now is almost murder. Like I survived almost murder, um, but I did. I survived attempted murder. And the recovery process from that was... Uh, I mean, I do not wish that upon anyone. I do not wish that anyone ever has to experience anything like that ever. But I have this sort of perspective on it where I am so grateful for that experience because I would never be who I am today had I not experienced that. I do believe had that not come to this extreme, um, outcome like that, I do think that I would still be living one crisis to the next. I do believe that I would be living these, these, um, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. I I do feel like that I would be in that cycle. And, And that cycle really breaks down your mental health. Like it really starts to wear you down where you feel like nothing you do is good enough, that you're a failure that somehow you are just missing a piece of the puzzle. Like why can everyone else around you be happy? How is it that everyone else around you seems to just get it and can you know, achieve their goals and life is great for them and you feel very left out, you feel very left behind. It feels like you're working twice as hard and you're only getting half as far as everyone else. And when you live that for so long, you start to feel like, There's no hope for the future that it doesn't matter. Just stop trying because it doesn't matter what you do. You'll never achieve it. And so unfortunately, but also fortunately, um, I experienced something so extreme. It really was my rock bottom. And it forced me to look at something differently. When I had the, why does this keep happening to me? And And I kept experiencing the same thing over and over. I was like, wait a minute. I can't go through this again. Like, I will not survive another time. If it just gets worse and worse every time, this is as bad as it can get. Because, I mean, I narrowly escaped. I was told that I survived by an eighth of an inch. If the knife had gone in an eighth of an inch deeper or had gone an eighth of an inch farther across my throat, I probably would not be here today. So coming from an architecture background and and knowing what an eighth of an inch is, very specifically in drawing plans and things like that, it's a very, very small, (laughs) a very, very small window of uh, survival that I had there. So I knew that I wasn't going to survive a next time. And I didn't want, you know, I had spent my whole life, every crisis, just trying to get my life back. Right. Like every time there was a crisis, I just was like, okay, just get your life back. Just put your life back together and keep going, put your life back together and keep going. And, um, this was one of those moments that I couldn't rebuild that same life. I knew that I couldn't build that same life because I I would just experience it again and again. So, um, I needed a new life. I needed to be someone different. I knew that I needed something different. And I knew that, um, the one common denominator in everything that I was experiencing was me. And it's really hard. It's very, very hard to come from, um, a lifetime of trauma and take a hard look at yourself and say hey wait a minute what am i doing that's contributing to this and trust me please understand there is in in no way am i victim blaming there is um this this huge subject um called uh revictimization and it's this idea that survivors are often re-victimized and there are major reasons why there's psychology behind it there's neurobiology behind it um, there's neuroscience behind it and it's not magical and it's not that you're doomed in this world there's actual science behind it and once you understand what those things are you can take an active role in preventing them and making that shift um, in your life and for me that was you know laying in a hospital bed and and saying like i i i don't want this anymore i want a different life and then taking conscious control of my thoughts and my actions and calling my own bullshit calling out <laughs> my own bs right like those moments in our life where we are um you know we're feeling that victimized we're feeling like oh my god the world hates me oh my god why is this happening to me oh my god all these things and calling it out and be like wait 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 um i played a role in that. And, um, I'm not taking all responsibility for the, you know, the, the guy who did this to me, like that, I I'm not saying, Hey, it was my fault. And Oh, my bad. I shouldn't have been there. Blah, blah, blah. No way. No, 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 no. Um, but one thing I have learned is that it wasn't my fault, but it was my problem. It was yeah. my problem to handle. There was no amount of I learned this in physical therapy. I was in physical therapy and I was having, a, you know, I spent almost a year learning to walk again after that incident and healing nerve damage. And another another reason why I'm very big into the neuroscience is I had to learn about what was going on in my body just physiologically, the injuries that I suffered. And I was in physical therapy and I was doing this exercise where um I was supposed to be walking essentially. And I just had agonizing pain in my feet and I, I just collapsed. Like I just couldn't, I, I was emotionally drained. I was just burned out. I was, I was just over it. Like it just hurt and I was exhausted and my physical therapist, um, It was actually kind of the one who is, I probably had better, well, I shouldn't say that I had a great therapist, but my physical therapist had some interesting perspectives on, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and one of the things he told me, he's like, yeah, yeah, this isn't your fault. Like we get it. It's not your fault, but you have to do the work to heal. No one can do these exercises for you. Like if someone comes in here and starts doing the exercises we're giving you, they're going to get stronger, not you. So when we put that responsibility on someone else to heal us, to fix us, they're the ones benefiting from it, not us, you know? So um, yeah, there was a lot of calling my own bullshit. There was a lot of um, sort of facing the storm head on. Uh, And there's this really great story that I love to tell um, about uh, there's a place in Colorado, It's I guess it's one of the only places on earth where both wild cattle and buffalo live at the same time, like in the same place. And it's this really interesting phenomenon. The buffalo grew up there. It's natural to them. It's a native um, land to them. Whereas the cattle came in um, like afterwards, like it's just, it's not their natural environment. They have adapted to it. And so in Colorado, because there's these mountains and then really high deserts, the weather there is very extreme. So when thunderstorms come in over the mountains, they're really like harsh, like bad. And there's this phenomenon where the cattle will see the storm coming from afar and then they turn and they run away. But the problem is while they're running away, the storm is following them. So the storm stays over them for a long time. So they're trying to get away from something that is really just chasing them and is just hovering over them. The buffalo do something completely different. The buffalo see the storm coming and they stand there and they wait. And as the storm gets closer and closer and closer, they run into the storm. And it's harsh, right? They still feel the effect of the storm, but they get through it faster because they're moving one way and the storm just passes right over them. So I love this so much. And one of the concepts that I tell this story to all of my clients and one of the things I tell them is like when things get tough, when you're feeling everything, right? When you're feeling the feelings in your body and you're feeling those emotions and and that lump in your throat and the idea of facing these hard emotions and decisions and thoughts and even physical pain, right? That we experience. Buffalo, be a buffalo put your head down and just like, find your courage, find your bravery. You can handle it. Your brain, your body is built for it. You can do it. I promise you, you can do it. When you think you're only at 30 or 40%, like when, I'm sorry, when you think you're at like a hundred percent, when you think that you don't have anything left, I promise you your brain has, it it has it, your body can handle it. You're only at 30, 40% capacity. When we think we're done we have more. And if you can just find a little ounce of that and just push through and be the Buffalo, you come out on the other side in the sunshine. Everything is great. The weather's awesome on the other side. Like I promise. And it happens so much faster when we do it that way. So um, I love that little story. It's such a great little metaphor, like just be a Buffalo. So it's not graceful and beautiful, but it's powerful. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's amazing i never heard this story before and it's just so beautiful because it's completely true the same like like when you meditate you are like you really stay calm and collected and you just stay when you wait for the storm the thoughts the feelings the emotions the discomfort to pass away and then you can finally see the sun again and enjoy a beautiful day And it's so interesting because for a really long time, society didn't give the right importance to topics like that, right? About mental health, emotional health, about co-regulating our body, about uh, how to talk, talk, have conversations about trauma, about uh, the cycle that many women experience, right? And men as well. I mean, men and women, they do have, Tons of experiences of yeah. trauma in different manners, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because for me, what happened was when I started to get close to men again after my trauma was really mm-hmm. complicated. Because even though you want to open up your heart and be loving and be vulnerable, uh, because you are so hurted in the past. Y- any touch can bring a lot of pain and the person that is just arriving in your life has nothing to do with the past can get hurt by your reaction and everything and co-regulation also works in this and also having an open uh, communication so you can express those things to your partner tell me more about how you are dealing with your relationship with men since your trauma was really also attached to the male figure, how you heal those, uh,
1: this that is, that is a really important topic. Um, and there is a lot to it, right? There's, there is, um, from the neuroscience side of it, right? It is the experience that you're having when a new person comes to you and touches you you're right they have nothing to do it they are not the cause of the pain that you experienced however what's happening is when someone touches you it reminds your body your brain says hey wait a minute the last time that happened the last time someone got close it was not good it was unsafe so that's your brain setting off that alarm saying hey this this isn't safe this this experience looks a lot like this other experience that we had and this other experience we had is really unsafe and so it does it sets off those alarms and when we don't have um our body our when we our nervous system isn't regulated when our emotions are not regulated um we you're right it affects other people and that is a huge component of like the social nervous system um it, we're all intertwined right um So the social nervous system, uh, and I will get back to my experience with this, but I do want to explain this because this is kind of an important uh, part, is our social nervous system is, um, yes, how we sync up with other people, how like you and your best friend can finish these other sentences and, right, like we get in sync, right? Um, But it's also the part of our brain that is able to read facial expressions in someone else or body language in someone else, where when you're walking down the street and you see the person on the other side of the street and they're carrying themselves funny, or they look, you know, they just, it just looks off. Like we just feel like something isn't right. That's your part of your brain. Um, that can read other people. It's also the reason why when we look at puppies and kittens or babies with big eyes, we wanna just like go in like, ah, you know, we wanna like hug them and hold them. So that's part of that, that part of your brain. And that's part of the social nervous system. And it's our ability to connect with other humans. Now, when we experience trauma, the part of our brain, the survival part of our brain, so our amygdala, our brainstem, um, the the vagus nerve and other things as well, um, are heightened. They're taking a lot of resources because they're turned on because again, brain's first rule is rule number one is no dying. It's trying to keep you safe. So it's sending a lot of resources to that part of your brain. Unfortunately, what it's also doing is it's taking resources from other parts of your brain, your thinking brain and your emotional brain, which is why it's difficult when we're in survival mode to regulate our emotions. So when your in a place where you're reconnecting with men and even though your thinking brain knows this man is not responsible for what you experience like you know this person isn't that person your survival brain is feeling the same sensations it's feeling the Uh, maybe what feels not safe when someone's close to you, like you need a little, you know, little bit of room. And then what can end up happening is because our survival brain is taking all the resources from our emotional brain and our thinking brain, when someone gets close, we snap at them. We push them away. We have emotional responses because we don't have as many resources in that part of our brain. It's like the battery's low in the emotional brain. So we can't regulate it. We can't control the words. We can't control our feelings and this can come out in two ways, um, it, in a lot of ways, but two most common ways are either extreme emotional reactions or almost none at all or negative reactions, right? So when someone new gets close to you and they start to kind of chip away and they're like, you know, getting closer and like warming up your heart and everything, your survival brain goes, wait a minute, we can't feel good right now. We can't work on feeling happy. We need to feel safe. And we either desperately want to push everyone away. So we get, you know, we kind of get that, we get moody, we push people away. We're just trying to protect ourselves. The other thing that often happens, and this can play into revictimization, This is a huge component of re-victimization is we go the other way around. We, based on our upbringing, based on our childhood, based on our attachment style, we can go the opposite direction where when we are experiencing trauma and insecurity, we seek it out in other people. And for women, just biologically, how we're built, this is, you know, we can break gender gender norms all we want, but biologically, the hormones and the chemicals that we have in our brain and our body, women are vulnerable, men are strong. That's the... And it doesn't mean that women are not strong and it doesn't mean that we don't have, that we aren't emotionally strong and we aren't smart or anything like that. It's just physiologically, men are typically stronger than women, like physiologically, bigger muscles, bigger bones, all of that. So
0: I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Just so we don't like because this is something really important that you are mentioning because feminism creates this idea that we are all the same and equal and we are not. And men do have some capacity to hold cortisol, testosterone, yes. hormones that we as women, we cannot hold. And if we try, we suffer a lot. And I really, yeah, keep that's going.
1: huge. So, and that's the thing, like feminism, like, yes, I'm a feminist. Absolutely. In that, I don't believe that women are superior. I believe that we are equal, but different. And every person on the planet, right? Equal as human beings, we are equal, but we are different. We all bring different strengths. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different abilities. That is the beauty of it, because the entire purpose of the social nervous system is to find balance and to help us grow. So if you think our brains, rule number one is safety, rule number two is like feel good, and rule number three is grow, well, the human race on this planet follows the same rules. Number one, we have to sustain life. We have to be alive. Number two, we have to find cohesion in community. We have to find things that feel good. And then number three, we have to grow. And that means, you know, furthering the race. It also means developing our, you know, you building cities and things, you know, we went from caves to cultivating the, you know, now we have like flying cars and stuff like that. Right. So that all has to happen in that order. So in a relationship, that's a microcosm of that. So you first have to feel safe in your body. And some people um, have the reaction of, I need to feel safe in my body. Everyone get away from me. Don't touch me. And then other people have the reaction of, I need to feel safe in my body. And because of their upbringing, because of their attachment style, maybe even because of early childhood trauma, they seek that out in others. So oftentimes we seek out um, the same type of men or the same type of relationships, whether that is in romantic relationships or other, we seek those people that, that create a sense of security, not necessarily safety, but security. And this is where things get a little bit complicated because our brains, they're really smart until they're not. (laughs) Your brain will choose a pain that it knows over anything new. It would rather fight an enemy that it is familiar with than pick something new. Even if that new thing is amazing and healthy and glorious and like, like, glowing and all of that, our brain will always be skeptical of something new. And so it will choose something familiar. So bring it back to my experience in dating and relationships. Um, Throughout most of my life, because when I was younger, I experienced um, a lot of insecurity um, from just my childhood experiences. And then my relationships with men, I would choose partners that were controlling, emotionally abusive. Um, I would I cycled through men pretty quickly in my 20s because um, I had this unresolved trauma in my body, seeking a sense of security and seeking a sense of safety. And I thought that it had to come from outside me. And, you know, my upbringing, what I was taught was um, I kind of grew up in the era, and I I think this is still happening. And I'm, I'm starting to see these trends break with younger women, and I'm really happy. But I grew up in an era where it was you raise your men to be someone and you raise your women to find someone. And, um, you know, my mother grew up in that era. My grandmother grew up in that, that women are supposed to find someone. You make yourself appealing to a man and a man's job is to go out and build a life or build a business or build himself up and then provide for the women. And while biologically there is, um, Chemically, biologically, neurologically, how we're built—there is a lot to that. Um, but we're disconnecting. That—that that means that we have to disconnect who we can be mentally and emotionally, and like outside in the world and in our businesses as women from the biological connection that we have with men. So that's a that's a whole that's a deep subject. <laughs> I don't know, we yeah, need to know that we. It's, it's a brilliant. big subject. Um, it's, that's a, that's a feminism topic right there. But, um, essentially what would happen was probably up until really that event, um, in my thirties, I would seek that sense of security outside of myself. And I would turn to men hoping that they would come and rescue me. I was that person. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't a gold digger and I wasn't like pining after relationships, but I was unhappy outside of a relationship because I thought that I needed one to be happy and safe and secure. But then when I was in the relationship, I had all these expectations that this person's supposed to provide me this sense of safety and security and all these things. And I wasn't getting it in the relationship either. So I was unhappy in those relationships also because I was looking for something that wasn't there. After surviving almost murder and having this really long, hard look at myself and choosing to Buffalo and choosing to do those things. I actually stayed single for about four years. I chose to, um, one of the things that I say, so again a whole other subject to open up the door on but very a lot of women who experience um sexual assault rape domestic violence things like that there is no justice the legal system especially in the united states is unfortunately still heavily weighed against victims um and you know the perpetrators very often there is no legal recourse um there's no justice in the case so one of the things that sort of i experienced the same thing um there was no justice in my case and I got to a point where there's a saying um success is the best revenge and I was like I don't want revenge I but if I need justice of some kind my success has to be that justice so success is the best justice that's sort of sort of a a mantra that I kind of um used to keep going. And I started focusing on myself. I started focusing on my business. I started focusing on taking myself from to me, for me, through me, you know, by me, through me. I put my attention to that. And for four years, I was single. And I had some dating apps and I would have conversations with people and I was just unimpressed and probably a little scared, right? Probably. I, so the pendulum swung the other way. Whereas instead of chasing those relationships for safety and security, I realized that I had to find that in myself. And until I did that, I was pushing people away. Definitely. And then, um, so about four years into my healing journey, um, I was, I had had a dating app and I hadn't, um, hadn't been on it. I was just over it. I was bored, could care less like old pictures on there. Like I didn't check my message. I was just every time I would open it, my eyes would roll so far back in my head. Cause I'd be like, what is this idiot saying? Like, there's some guy on there saying something. and I'm like, I don't have time for this. And so I was going through my You're phone. So one day, and I, was like, <laughs> I just, I just had okay. like no patience, no patience for these like idiot boys that like clearly have never been to therapy a day in their lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I was going to delete the app. I was going through and I was like, I'm going to delete this. And I just opened it one day. Like, don't know why. Like, I just opened it right before I was going to delete it. Like, I hadn't looked at it in weeks, probably months. And there was a message there from a guy. Uh, he had sent the message like a day or two earlier. And um, <laughs> so he's really <laughs> also into like neuroscience and um psychology and, you know, like, it's, you know he's kind, of a, nerd. Uh, he's your <laughs> kind of a nerd. He's, well, and that's the thing is like, not the type that I thought I'd ever be looking for. Right. Like not if somebody had to ask me what my type was, like, I couldn't say I really had a type, but I'd be like, yeah, I'm not like, I didn't consider myself like a nerd. I consider myself like strong and I was healing and I was this feminist and what, Right. And so there's this message from him and it says, um, it says neuroscience and psychology conversations will be had that's all he sends in this message this very like short sweet message um well it's now been over a year and we're still together so (laughs) um it was this moment for you thank you and it's a healthy relationship and um we have excellent communication and we talk about things and we like, there is genuine support and genuine connection and genuine respect. And we both know what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like, because we both came from experiences that were not healthy relationships. And so um, I, you know, I know manifesting is huge for you. And for me, like this big, the, there's always the big question, but why and but how and all of this. And yet, no matter how much I dive into the science and the understanding of why, how manifestation works. Like I know the neuroscience of manifestation. I learned it because I had to know, like, I wanted to know why and how, right. So like I learned the science of how this sort of magic works and it's on the quantum level and the universe is involved. And there's still this huge, like, you know, this huge thing that's just bigger than all of us involved in it. And, um, I I still have these moments, these little, I'll call them these sort of magic moments where it's like, you know what people say when you, when you're not looking, that's when someone shows up. Yeah. Yeah. and, And I have that exact experience, right? Like I wasn't looking, I had given up. I'd given up. I hadn't given up on men as a whole. I hadn't given up on the idea of a healthy relationship. I just knew that it wasn't going to come from outside of me. I knew that it was going to come from inside me. And I just let that be. I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't say, I'm going to get up and be an entrepreneur today so that I can attract a man who's an entrepreneur. Like I let go of that. The purpose for doing it was like, that was no longer tied to it. It was just, who do I want to be? What's important to me in my life? And it was to focus on my business and to, Be have a healthy relationship with myself. And as soon as I did that, I had this urge, right? Something in my subconscious mind or the universe told me, you know what? Go delete that app. Like, go look at that app, go do something on that. And so going and doing that is what actually made me open it. Had I not opened that, I would have never seen that message. And I never would have met this guy. So unless the universe had other plans and would have brought us together later on. So Um, to answer your question about how I handle all of that, um, in relationships and things like that, it was it for a long time, I did it the wrong way and I kept attracting the wrong people into my life. And I kept experiencing the same thing over and over because I never handled the alarm that was going off in my body. The, the, my brain telling me, Hey, you're in survival mode, trying to get my attention and telling me, Hey, you're in survival mode. And, um, the. I know you're going to edit. I'm going to just hit record now. There we go. <laughs> Let's so, see. Hopefully yeah. this works this time.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. It um, so, and if not, we can, we'll just call back again.
0: <laughs> so, we yeah, have for, so much fun.
1: yeah. So for a long time, I definitely would say that I was doing it wrong meaning I was looking outside of myself for that sense of security and I would run to men and then I would constantly be disappointed and I was constantly experiencing the same type of person and the same visceral responses in my body where sometimes I was completely disgusted by men but yet somehow I was like no but this is how you're supposed to do it and um yeah when I had that shift of hey I need to work on me this is a me thing This is, this isn't my fault, but it is my problem. Like I'm going to take real responsibility for my outcome. And once I did that, um, it didn't take four years. I just wasn't willing to open that door for four years. Like I was really excited about my business. And it honestly, when I look at it from his perspective, he wasn't ready to be in this relationship either. So it did take it took that amount of time to bring the right person into my life because he was going through his thing. Like we had to we had to kind of come together, right? Like we had different things. So had I met him 4 years ago, he was in a totally different place in his life and um yeah, it wouldn't have been a second thought, it wouldn't even have been a conversation, you know. So uh, Yeah, I think, um, like I said, revictimization kind of plays into this. There's a lot of other components that can come in to understanding what we're doing and how we're playing a role in our own fate. Um, But yeah, that was my experience. That's my
0: (laughs) amazing, amazing experience. One thing that you mentioned it's completely right. It's about like how people we when we are supposed to be in a relationship, we first need to learn how to be in a relationship with ourselves. Yeah. And the more close we are to loving ourselves, easier it is to love someone else because loving ourselves is about being compassionate with our faults, being compassionate with the things that we experienced in our past, being uh, our first supporter, our first fan, first before anyone else. We need to be there for ourselves, showing up for ourselves. And when we do that, we can overflow our cup. We can pray for all this love, all this acceptance, all this grace, all this forgiveness, all all those good things. And then we can start to overflow to people around us and also our relationship. And um, nobody, I really believe that everyone that is on earth right now, they would uh, have a partner to experience life together, to grow together, because relationships are also uh, a mirror for us to grow, because we're always yeah. projecting. We are always like learning with the communication styles, with the fear that shows up inside a relationship. and it's really helpful. And have those the tools to be able to be in a relationship for a long term is something that I believe society now needs more than ever with the numbers of divorce growing and families like not being a thing anymore and kids not being a thing anymore. So us as human and our kind of goal, if we think in a societal level is to keep existing, keep thriving on Earth, and keep uh, creating new things and evolving as a species, we must understand what we have done wrong as society for so much time that cause us to experience what we are experiencing right now and do something different for the future.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, we have ourselves, we are the center of our own universe, right? Like we experience the world only through our through our thoughts and our feelings and our experiences. And we look at relationships and that, you know, those people around us, whether it's our romantic relationships, um, our friends and our family, right? Like that nuclear Um, community that we have. And every layer that we go out farther and farther and farther, you can see these, uh, it's like a fractal, right? Like you can see these repeated patterns over and over and over just on a larger and larger scale. And how we treat ourselves and how we treat others around us is going to just naturally align us with other people that have that same core, that same core, whether it's your belief system, um, your emotions, your your vibration in the world, your, your, we sync up, we literally like the social nervous system will sync with the people around us. And that is why it's so important who you choose to keep around you too. Like, I love that you've built this community of people. This is not just, you know, you trying to sell somebody something because this is your business. Like this is about the people you want around you because you want to choose this energy. You want to choose who you let into your circle because you're going to, you're going to vibrate to them. You know, we are the average of the five, they say, or so people around us. And if you hang out with five rich people, you'll become the sixth. If you hang out with five poor people, you're going to become the sixth. If you hang out with happy people, you're naturally going to do that. Gratitude is one of the biggest, has the biggest impact in our brain and our body. Like physiologically, neurologically, gratitude is one of the most impactful things that we can do for our body. And... It's also really interesting that gratitude is one of the major components of manifesting things because it opens doors. It puts you literally, your brain, the brain chemicals that are released, gratitude can make you happier. Gratitude can make you richer. (laughs) Gratitude can make, and I don't just mean money, but I mean everything in our life. It brings everything. You know, having an awareness of what you have and aligning to, to that like regulating your body, regulating your nervous system to that is what brings more of that in. So it, like for me, that's why no matter which way I looked at it from a spiritual sense or from a scientific sense, it always came back down to the, the brain. And to me, um, like when I learned hypnosis, um, I learned the difference between your conscious mind, right, is our thinking mind, our unconscious mind, which is our body. So the unconscious awareness that if you reach over and the stove is hot, you're going to pull your hand away before you think about it, right? That's your unconscious mind. But your subconscious mind, which lays below all of that, is really your brain and your nervous system. And that is what we have, this sort of quantum entanglement. Um, there's my physics coming out. I can't not. <laughs> the nerd, my inner nerd it's perfect. is coming out. It's Perfect. Um, but that quantum entanglement that we have with, you know, your neighbor, your dog, your you know, someone on the other side of the earth and, or something on the other side of the universe, it is that happens on a neurological level, like so deep down in ourselves. And so there's a lot of, um, like I said, it's, it's deep and it's nerdy. And I know there's a lot of rabbit holes that we can go down in this conversation, but, um, as yeah. far as you know, that survivorship, it really is about like inside you.
0: Yeah, work is fabulous. I'm really amazed by it. I would love for us in this last moment to give uh, to the listeners a gift. So imagine a person that is really anxious and stressed, and really with the nervous systems not regulated. What, um, besides the things that you already teach us today about like how my trauma was by me, for me, through me and all those things. Mm-hmm. How we can do this physically with our body?
1: Yes. So um, absolutely. So because, uh, like I said, the rules that our brain follows, rule number one, no dying. Rule number two, no crying. And then rule number three is no dying again, because if we're not growing, we're dying, right? So the rule number one, no dying, when you're feeling anxious, that's your survival brain starting to turn on to say, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't feel safe around me. This something, something that we're experiencing looks a lot like something we experienced before that wasn't safe. So that's like an alarm. Like imagine like a smoke alarm going off in your house, right? Sometimes the smoke alarm goes off just because you burn something on the stove. It's not actually fire. It's just a little bit of smoke. It looks a lot like fire, smells like fire to the smoke alarm, but it's not fire, right? So sometimes we just want to turn that anxiety down because there's no fire. We just need to, sorry. It's fine. My computer was translating the recording. Okay, so hopefully we can do this. So sometimes we just want to turn that, that we, we just go, we take the batteries out of the smoke detector or we fan the smoke detector so that the alarm will stop going off because we know there's not actually any danger. So if you're feeling something like social anxiety, something like that, where you're like, I know I'm in a safe place, like my thinking brain knows I'm in a safe place. My survival brain is just a really sensitive smoke alarm and it's just going off, you know, because somebody's burning something on the stove. But like, I know there's no fire. I'm safe. There are some things that we can do so. Uh, if you are feeling overwhelmed and feeling like hyper vigilant, and there's a lot going on and there's just chaos and you can't gain control, what we want to do is we want to get into a state of calm. And, right, we want to bring everything back down into a state of calm so that we can um, move forward with whatever it is we're trying to do, right? Go back to the thing we're trying to do. We don't necessarily need to stop doing whatever it is we're doing, um, permanently at least. So there's a really quick thing easy to remember. It takes about 90 seconds. So if you start to feel that anxiety, that overwhelm, it's called stop, drop, and roll. And whatever you're doing, stop doing it. So let's say you're walking, sit down. If you're sitting down, stand up. If you're eating, stop eating. Um, Whatever you're doing, if you're talking to someone, if you're on the phone, just excuse yourself. Just say, hey, I'm sorry. Can I call you back in a minute? right? Whatever it is you're doing, take notice, take a moment and stop doing that thing. And it doesn't mean that you can't go back to doing it. But what we want to do is we want to change the state, the physiological state of our body. We want to say, hey, whatever thing you're experiencing, whatever trigger is setting off that alarm, that smoke alarm, we're going to we're going to change the state. So um, you can sometimes do this by taking like a, a glass of cold water and putting it on your wrist, right? If you're really, if you're hot, if you're outside and it's really hot, cool yourself down. If you're cold, warm yourself up, right? Think anything that you're feeling, take that moment and stop doing something and start doing something else, right? Shift. So that's the stop part. The drop part is almost I mean, every human, this is part of our social nervous system. We can see it in other people. Most people hold stress and anxiety in their shoulders. It is our natural defense to put our shoulders up, to hold ourselves in tight, right? Like we're protecting ourselves. It's natural. This, that is a, it's, it's a normal response. It's a natural response. So the drop part is just take notice and drop your shoulders. Just like notice that your shoulders up and drop them back down. So stop doing whatever you're doing. Step two, drop your shoulders. And then the third part, and this is the part that I think is really cool and it's super nerdy, is you can you can do it with your eyes open or closed, whatever you're most comfortable with. Most people close their eyes, it feels more comfortable. But I want you to roll your eyes back in your head, like like look at your eyebrows or imagine like your third eye and you roll your eyes up and you just take a couple of deep breaths. And if it's more comfortable to close your eyes, do so and just keep your eyes rolled up And you may have to relax them and bring them back down and then bring them back up again. And you want to keep them up there for, if you can do 30 seconds, great. If you can get to 90 seconds, awesome. And what this does is it engages the ocular cortex. So our eyes are actually an extension of our brain. And our eye movement, our eye placement, all of these things affect different parts of our brain. And when our eyes are rolled back in our head, it literally is like a light switch to our amygdala it can literally turn it off and say hey it's fine you don't have to be sending out all of those signals that you're sending out you don't have to set the smoke alarm off like we're good we turned we took the batteries out of the smoke detector or we fanned the smoke away the smoke detector's off hitting the reset button on the smoke detector now I, this is kind of an opportunity i do want to talk about this a little bit what often happens is when we have real like either long-term trauma, big T trauma, even a lot of little T traumas that add up, right? And we keep um, having these experiences where we have anxiety or we have panic attacks or we shake, we're having somatic symptoms and things like that. Oftentimes what happens is people go and they take the batteries out of the smoke detector, but their house is actually on fire, Like if you were in your, if your house was actually on fire and the smoke detector was going off, you wouldn't go take the batteries out because the noise is bothering you, right? You would, you'd leave the house or you'd put the fire out, right? So the biggest mistake that I see people make is that when they have things like chronic anxiety, if you have anxiety often, if you're having certain um, somatic symptoms or panic attacks or catastrophizing thoughts or, you know, the mental health things that we describe as symptoms, if you're having those pretty regularly or often, whether they're consistent, coming at random times, whatever they are, that's an indication that your house really is on fire. It's not a false alarm, it's a real alarm. And so when we take the batteries out of the smoke detector by doing these exercises, this exercise is a really effective exercise that can calm some anxiety. If you're having some anxiety before you're going in to take a test or you have a really important meeting with your boss, or you're about to get on stage and talk to people, this exercise is great to calm that down so that you can keep going and do the thing you need to do. However, when everything is okay and fine, and you're laying in bed, or you're living what is a otherwise normal and happy and healthy life, and you're getting these chronic symptoms, it's that's a sign that your house really is on fire. So we don't take the batteries out of the smoke detector. We actually need to go and put out the fire. That's where we need to look a little bit deeper. So this exercise I gave you, great coping mechanism. Awesome coping mechanism to get you through some things. What it will not do is that will not erase the trauma response. That will not prevent the smoke alarm from going off in the future. It's just a coping mechanism. So instead of looking at coping mechanisms, we need to look a little bit deeper and go deeper into the body. And maybe we could do a whole nother episode on this, but um, this is where we get into the vagus nerve and polyvagal theory. Um, But I do want to mention that some of the things that you talked about, how you talk about meditating and singing and how it's so good for our mental health there's a secret. There's a reason why it's so good for our mental health. Dancing and and all of that and connecting with other people is because it's good for your neurological health. So, um the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body. It's also the one that brings the majority of the information from the body back into the brain. And it connects to very key components in the brain. Our ear lobes, our throat, which is why singing is such Uh, an enlightening experience for many people, right? It also connects to our heart, our lungs, our diaphragm, our stomachs, our digestive system, right? So all the key components that keep us alive, our vagus nerve is integral in. And when we have this alarm that goes off, whether it's a false alarm or a real alarm, like a real fire or a false alarm, the vagus nerve is sending signals down into the body and it's preparing you to survive whatever danger you might be in, which means it's going to shut down your digestive system. This is a lot of times where people gain weight because of the str- stress of trauma, because their digestion is slowed down. We also experience what feels like anxiety because it, it takes our breath away. Literally the vagus nerve, will will it makes us inhale right? It makes us inhale and we hold our breath. And then when we hold our breath, our brain goes, wait a minute, we're not getting enough oxygen. We're in survival mode and we keep perpetuating it, right? So um, finding where that trauma is landing in the body is key. Um, and we go to those areas to then release it. But the vagus nerve is a really huge component of that because we can control our breathing. We can, our body, if we're asleep, our body will breathe by itself. But if we're awake, we can also decide how we breathe. So there's different breathing exercises we can do. Singing, different vocal tones, like how you force air in and out of your body can also send very specific signals to the brain. So this is like the super nerdy part. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot to get into it. I would love to, if your audience is interested, if you're interested, we could do a whole nother episode on this, I am sure. But um, as far as a quick coping mechanism, stop, drop and roll, easy to remember. Stop what you're doing, drop your shoulders, roll your eyes back and you want to aim for between 30 to 90 seconds, but 90 seconds is like the golden number. That's really what you want. And then as anything beyond that. If this is chronic, if anxiety is a real problem for you, we want to look at exercises that engage our ears and our earlobes. So it literally can be tapping, rubbing your earlobes, stretching your earlobes is one. So good. It's so so good. good, Right. It's so good. Right. It's uh, it's like my like that's my off switch my boyfriend knows that like if I'm stressed out he'll just come up and rub my ears and I'm just like I just melt <laughs> physical <laughs> um, touch is so amazing it's so important for us it's super important especially for trauma which is it's a catch-22 because a lot of us that have experienced things like sexual trauma or physical trauma being touched also feels very um, uncomfortable and standoffish and this is where being the buffalo kind of comes in right and we find ourselves in a safe place and there's a lot of techniques that I go through with my clients to get them to that point. Um, there, there's another exercise I can actually show you. So butterflies, you had mentioned butterflies is a is a big thing, right? When you do the, yeah. the butterfly tapping, there's another one that you can do. If you're feeling anxiety and what you would call overwhelm or shutdown, if you're just completely drained, you've got no energy left, and it feels because of anxiety and overwhelm, there's an exercise, another butterfly exercise you can do, and you start with your your wrists and your fists together and you tuck them in real tight to your body like you hunch over and kind of like in tight and then you inhale and you expand your wings right so we go and fill your lungs and then and force that air out and if you do that so 90 seconds is always sort of the golden number we're trying to get to Um, but if you can do that for 30 seconds or if you can do that three times in a row, and then take a breath, you're going to feel lightheaded, you're going to feel dizzy, you're going to feel tingly in your arms. And at first, these feelings feel they feel weird, and they feel scary. But if you know that these are actually good feelings that these are these are things we want to feel, you can encourage yourself to say, Oh, wait, I'm feeling this, I'm supposed to feel this, this is good. And that puts us back into um, what's called in the nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's where we get to feel compassion for other people. That's where we get to feel gratitude. That's where we get to experience love and connection with other people. And that's one quick exercise. If you got to go, let's say you are a, just an introvert, like you just, you can't people. Peopling is hard. And you've got to go to a family function, or you've got to go to something where you are, have to be engaged and talk to people. And be present. That's, that's an exercise you can do for a minute or two, and it will turn on all of those components of your brain that want to connect with other people. So that's another fun one. I like, <laughs> yeah, guys, put make
0: a note, do this before Christmas with family, family Christmas with family,
1: you stand outside always. the door, you know, yeah. you knock on your, nose, you know, knock your getting prepared, <laughs> but it's family. funny, works. These look like silly things. Um, you know, I do them before I go on stage to speak. There are things that I do. Sometimes I go to the library to work and I will lay on the floor in the library and do a certain exercise and I look crazy. Like people walk by and they're like, what is wrong with her? But I've gotten past, I don't care what other people think of me. Like these are things that I'm doing for myself. These are things that um I value and I know the importance of. So we stop worrying about other people think. You know, you can do them behind closed doors. You can do them in the privacy of your own home. But I love when I get a group of women together and they're all laughing hysterically because they know they look ridiculous doing some of these things, but it is activating the nervous system in a way that turns off parts of our brain and turns on other parts of our brain. So this is, we can use this for focus. I know a lot of people struggle with like focus and attention and staying motivated to do tasks. There's all kinds of tools for this. So (laughs) This, this is, is
0: marvelous. Thing. This is marvelous because, yeah, like this we mentioned. Like when I I am uh, feeling some anxiety as well, I do, no matter where I am, who is looking at me, I go there and then I start to do my butterfly. Then I start doing breathing, and I really believe that we need to be. We need to be in this place where we don't care about what other people are talking or saying about us. Never right. again. And especially when we are doing something for uh, ourselves to feel good, to feel better, to feel excited, to feel happy, to feel in peace. And we doing that actually activate people to do the same. Like, look at her. She's doing this. She's doing her job with herself, healing herself. So I can do this as well. I don't need to worry about other people thinking or saying things.
1: Absolutely. It's incredibly empowering. So again, back to that social nervous system, you find, um, they've done studies that, um, have determined that trauma, we can carry trauma from as many as five generations back. So your grandmother's great grandmother. So whatever they've experienced, if that held in their nervous system, you can be holding that it, you can have You know, there are people that are like, I lived a perfectly normal and natural and healthy life. Why do I have anxiety? Right. You can be holding things and it's just it's in our epigenetics. So we have our genome, we have our, um, you know, our genetic structure and then wrapped around the outside of that is what's called our epigenetics and those are literally like switches it's like a whole bank of light switches and it says okay we're going to turn on this gene and off this gene oh we're going to turn on brown eyes and we're going to turn on freckles and we're going to turn on right but it also turns on disease and it also turns on predisposition predisp- to things like anxiety because it'll it it it's a nervous system that was dysregulated and passed it to another nervous system that is dysregulated so, one of the things that they're now finding in some of this research that we're doing, and I will see if I can find it for you if you want to include it in like show notes or something for your audience. Um, I'll look for it. I, I'm going to try and promise it because I got to go back and find it. I hope I saved it. Um, but they're doing studies now where they're saying, okay, if we heal a grandmother, for example, before she has children, she no longer passes down those, those switches, right? Those switches are all turned off. They're trying to, they're doing studies now to try and determine how this magic works, but they're finding that younger generations, when they heal and they turn those switches off, it goes backwards up the line. So if a child heals, their mother benefits. Yeah. That's insane. That insane. It is like the opposite of everything we know that science tells us how genes work, right? They think it just goes downhill, but the fact that they're finding connections now in that and it could just be something as simple as how we treat ourselves is and how we treat other people changes how they treat themselves it could literally just be social influence but the studies they're doing they're doing it with mice because mice the mice brain is the most similar believe it or not to the human brain <laughs> it's so weird that you wouldn't think that we were that similar to mice but the mice brain and how their neurons work and how their nervous system works is very similar to humans so they're doing it in that where they're separating the babies from the mothers they're they are not growing up they're not hanging out in the same environment and the fact that they're seeing that response in a completely separated environment it's blowing my mind like it's i don't understand it yet but i am very um curious and i'm embracing this um flag like said, from the scientific world uh but from this whole you know the universe is all connected it makes so much sense
0: yeah uh this is why you mentioned it's so so important because you are bringing the science perspective, and in the spiritual community, we we understand that people that have a really uh, intense contact with their gifts, like third eye and all those things, you can see the trauma that comes before you. So, yeah. what your mom experienced, what your grandmother experienced, and we as uh, this generation that are doing the work to heal. We are not only healing. I'm good. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Oh, we are not only healing ourselves. We are also healing all the generations before us. All the pain that our grandmas, our mothers, all the feminine pain that we experience as women. Uh, so it's a really beautiful work we are doing in here, and also men are doing the same, the same thing their their side because men also experience a lot of pain related to their emotions. They can they can't express their emotions and a lot of things. I want to bring more uh, male as well to the podcast so they can give their experience, they can um, share the knowledge and their journey because we as women we know how it is for us to be here. And to um create life and heal and help people from a perspective of a woman, right? And it's important to also give a space for them to express themselves and to share uh, their vulnerability with uh, the community as well. I am so, 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 so I I don't have words to say how much wow. grateful I am to you being here using your energy, your time, sharing with us so many important uh, information and knowledge. And again, I would thank you. Of course, we are going to do this again because yes, I love I your love energy. You. I you. love your energy and everything that you shared here. I hope one day we can do something um, in person. I know, I would love so that. It would be really nice. Yeah, I, I can already, I can I'm already manifesting right now. I can already feel us like going out to eat lunch and then yes. making an event with tons of Women. And we like making these exercises in front of everybody. And, you know, I would
1: love that. One of the things that um it's, again, this whole manifest- manifestation thing, right? There are certain things that I just know in my heart in my mind, in my brain, right. That are going to happen. And one of the things that it's, it's officially on my goals list, but it's also not something that I'm, um, chasing down, right? Like I put it there, I put it on the shelf and I'm like, when it's ready, it'll come is a retreat. I do want to do a retreat somewhere. And I want to bring in, um, the science and the spirituality of it and bring it together. And it's interesting because my background in science, um, is I always have felt not a personal disconnect, but I always felt like I had a difficult time talking to an audience that was spiritual because I always felt like, um, you know, some people, some of my clients come to me and they're like, oh, I'm manifesting this. And I'm like, yeah, but do you want to know how manifestation works? And they're like, oh my God, yes. And I'm like, do you want to know how it works in the brain? And they're like, it somehow it demystifies it for them it's like learning how the magic trick works and some people don't want that right but it so i always felt like that i always felt like i was gonna be bursting somebody's bubble to tell them what's going on and in and at first i think because i had that belief i was projecting that onto other people so my clients were like no no, no don't tell me just let me just do it just let me do it i like it it works i don't want to care i don't care how it works it just works and that's great like that's awesome for me, I like, I want to know how everything works. So once I started to actually, um, through some of these exercises through engaging the nervous system and people are like, Hey, wait a minute, this does work. And Hey, it works faster. Oh, it works better. And they're just generally happier, right? The the worst outcome of it is that they're happier. So I always had this sort of fear about how do I run this retreat that encompasses that sort of spiritual component and brings the science into it without, um, making people question their beliefs like I don't want to I don't want people to to feel like I'm, I'm going to dissolve their belief system I don't if I don't even if I don't share that belief system right like I have a belief in the universe and in science and I get the same results as somebody who has a belief in you know God and manifestation and all of that so it's um I think this conversation and the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago when we you know kind of got introduced to each other um I think it started to make those little connections. So I really would love to do some sort of retreat. And if your audience is, if this is something your audience is into, we wanna hear about it because this is something we can put together. Like if we have the people that want to do this, we can make it happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's already happening in a different reality. Right now we are just aligning with the reality. And let me say something to you. People want to understand how manifestation works. Of course, are people that like more the magical vibe. I do bring a lot of fantasy to the community because I like, you know, queen, empresses, high priestess, magic. I like the words. And it's also important to have the science behind it. A lot of people like to have contact with like uh, research and um, like this name but a synthetic nervous system, you know, just make people feel comfortable and more Uh, Confident them to do it and I believe that if it's something that works for people if it's something that they need to hear and to understand so they can also make use and enjoy the benefit it's great everybody's welcome you know this is amazing
1: oh that's awesome and yeah I agree I do I think you're right the the sort of the magic and the energy there that is the words that we use Play a huge role in like our emotional attachment to things, right, and our outcomes and things like that. And there is a a sense that if it is magic, it's it's easier, right? It's if it is magic, it means that there, we don't have to do the work; that the work is happening for us, and that is what's happening, right? And then you know, I think that I think that was the fear that I had is that I don't want people to think that it's not easy. Um, you know, there's. Mm-hmm. Trauma work is hard. Trauma heart work is not easy, but when you know how it works, it's so much easier and it's fun. It That sounds like so wrong to say that like working on your trauma, working on your trauma can be fun. And I Can't know define. that's like counterintuitive, but once you take that perspective of like, wait a minute, like you get to be curious about yourself and you get to, um, you know, explore these different things that, you otherwise would never, I don't know, I, I totally get nerdy about it, but I'm so glad that um, it, we could find a place where our audiences could collide in, you know, the spirituality and the science of it all, so. Yeah, of course.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, I have now a Discord channel for the community. I don't know if you use Discord as a tool for um, communication. With your clients.
1: not, but I can. <laughs> yeah, because
0: why, what I'm thinking now is like, uh we are creating this whole uh online community and we have like we have uh, people on linkedin we have people on instagram we have people on youtube we have people uh on many platforms and also i decided to create on court because score is a place where we can talk we have chats we can also have audio conversations and it's amazing and it's a place where creators as us we are uh, we can create this place where everybody from different communities can go in and make bigger mixtures of content and juicy things and it starts to procreate the idea of this uh, retreat for sure uh and i love to the thing that you said that um you don't want to take out the idea that magic is easy you don't want to kind of spoil the dream that it's easy and fun and you're not following me if you are creating, showing to people with your work and with your energy that it's possible and it's possible to survive, to thrive, to have fun. You would like to be loved and to create always love the way that you are doing right now. And I'm super excited for the future because the actions that we must do to make our manifestation come to us is not about chasing, It's not about... Um, forcing things to happen. It's not about working hard and carrying all those things. It's about making a smart decision with a good the right intention. And then boom, things started to follow the thing.
1: I know. And oh my God, you brought up something and I know that we're I know we're on time like time wise, I know we're stretching this out, but I that made me that reminded me of something. So one of the things that um I learned and I wish I had a graphic for it. Um, I can maybe send it to you, but is, there's this idea that we, that we are um, ju- just how we experience the world and how we do anything. There's two planes that we operate on. And one is the method that we do something. And one is the results that we get, right? How we do something and what the result of it is. And it kind of makes this quadrant. And when we don't like the method and we don't like the results, we're in pain every it's painful right when we like the method but we don't really care about the results like we like what we're doing but we don't really care what the outcome is that's play right so we like what we're doing we we get on we get on social media and we're scrolling for hours we enjoy that process we like the method the result is we didn't get our work done we're exhausted or, you know our mental health is crap but we enjoyed the the moment we enjoyed the process so now when you look on the other side of it when you like the result, but let's say you don't like the method, that's potential. That's when we go to the gym and it's really hard, but we know that the outcome is going to be great, right? We go run five miles. We hate running, but we know it's going to get us the result that we want. We're going to build stamina. We're going to become healthier, right? Um, When we're building a business or we're doing something hard, we know the result will be worth it. Even if we even if the method is uncomfortable and we don't like it. So that's potential. That's us working out of potential. Now, working in play and potential, we need those. We need to push ourselves beyond things. Sometimes we have to do hard things just because they're hard. Even if we hate them, we have to do hard things. That's part of growing. And sometimes we have to play. Even if we're going to get terrible results and the laundry's not going to get done and we're not going to get our dishes done and we're not going to get our work done, but we have to go play. We need that fundamentally in our heart, in our soul, our brains, and our bodies. We need both of those things. Now, what's really awesome is when potential and play combine, we get to something called purpose, where we both love the method and we love the results. That is where manifestation happens. When you love what you're doing and you love the results that you're getting. So... I just I wanted to bring that up like that's something that it's a I did a whole YouTube video on this um, about how why we procrastinate and I talk about it there and like why we don't get stuff done. But I think it's super relevant that especially for survivors and people struggling with their mental health, so many of us are stuck in pain and we retreat to play to get out of it. We don't like the results we're getting and we don't like the methods that we're using. So we're stuck in pain. We retreat to play because we at least need to feel good about something. And then some people push themselves into potential where they still hate the method, but they're hoping for that future result. But really what we want to find is something where we like the result. We like the method that we're using and we like the result that we're getting. That's perfect that's the fun part
0: <laughs> perfect perfect now by the way please share with us how can we find you how can uh, the audience can become your client if they should the calling to it please give time for you to do this
1: so well. um if you okay so if you want to get a hold of me um i do uh, free sessions. I do a 30 minute free strategy session with people anytime they want, I have nothing to sell them. but if somebody's struggling and they just need to talk or they want more information, um, there is a link on my website. So my website is rcgray, gray g r e y so RC gray with e dot com. and if you scroll to the bottom, there's a little section that says book a call. So if you want to just chat with me, you can go there. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel. so at RC gray, my Instagram also at RC gray. I'm also on LinkedIn, RC gray. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, you can email me RC at rcgray.com. Like try to keep it as simple as possible, but um, yeah, there's people can get a hold of me. I'm absolutely open. You want to DM me on Instagram. That's cool. Um, yeah. Wherever I'm open to conversations. And if I can help anybody at least figure out what their next steps are, I'm absolutely happy to do so. That's
0: perfect. I also want to uh, thank Dave that introduced us in some way. I yeah. saw her podcast with Dave. I will uh, link uh, put in the description below on the this, We have the podcast in audio, but we also have the podcast in video. So if you are listening to us in one of the platforms for audio, know that we also have the video part. And in this video, I will uh, put down below. The link with her podcast with Dave, where she talks more into the details of her trauma and how she survived and everything. So if you feel the calling to access this type of content, it will be available for you in the description below. Again, I want to thank you not only for myself, but also for a whole divine community that have the opportunity to have your presence and your energy here with us. Thank you for everyone that is watching us, that is supporting us, is commenting, is liking, sharing with friends and also helping the world to feel in a more deep level. Thank you, Earth, again. Give
1: me the Thank next. you so, 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 so much. This has been amazing. There's so much love here. I love it. I love the energy. Like my face, I've been smiling so much. My face is like, <laughs> this is the best
0: thing when we are smiling so much, yeah.
1: this just part like of my t-shirt, body. right?
0: Like, yeah. This is <laughs> it's so, good.
1: so awesome to connect with other women who are, you know, making real change in the world by just being themselves and just putting themselves out there. So I'm so grateful to have met you. And yes, a huge thank you to Dave. Um, he's been incredibly supportive as well of me and my journey. And um, so I encourage people to go and listen to his podcast too. He's got a great podcast of survivor stories. So um really really incredible stories there and Dave's awesome and thank you so much Barbara thank you thank you thank you so much for reaching out this has been absolutely amazing perfect so now we
0: uh take bye to our uh, audience and see you in the next content guys next week we are going to have more episodes in Divine Calling podcast. I also have a surprise because we are going to the whole uh, selection, a competition for our next CEO. And I will bring them here in the Divine Calling podcast because as uh, a community, you guys also have uh, the uh, opportunity to make you know, your choices which person you're going to like more or not. And it will be fun. I'm so excited to be in front of this new talent and it will be amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you all in the next content. Bye.